0: Through the grace of God and Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, I've enjoyed 34 years of sobriety. Uh, and I'm not saying that will impress you, because if you do what your sponsors tell you and uh, embrace the AA program, and practice those 12 steps to the best of your ability and trust God, you know, the sky's the limit of what you can accomplish. Uh, join me in my sermon prayer, please. God, uh, grant me yes. To the things that I cannot change. The courage to change the things that I can, and, the wisdom and I came out to Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, like I said, some 34 years ago because I wasn't welcome anywhere else. And I can honestly tell you that. Um, and today, uh, it's a little different. Uh, I have a family that depends on me and I enjoy being around. Uh, and, and, you know, like Laura was saying, there's just no compl- it's amazing the people you meet in this program and how uh, uh, they get involved in your life if you, if you let it. And uh, uh, a lot of the things I became, I wasn't raised to be. Uh, I come from a good family. Uh, we all, you know, give a lot of those leads. Uh, my dad was sober 10 years when uh, he passed away, so I knew the difference between a drunk father and a sober father. He's a member of the Newberg group, uh, and but I was going to do it differently. And I was going to be all right. And not only did I become a drunk like him, I became a worse drunk. And uh, I don't know if alcoholism is uh, a family disease, other than it affects uh, my wife when I drank and my the rest of it. I don't know if it passed on generation to generation, but there's enough uh, proof in my family that none of us should have drank from uh, after we got out of the womb, but. Uh, I don't think that's why I became an alcoholic. I didn't become an alcoholic because my dad was a drunk or my uncles are drunks. Uh, I became a, a drunk because I drank too much too often. You know, the, the other stuff is irrelevant to me. Um, I graduated near the top of my class uh, in, in industrial arts, not the top of my class, at John Marshall High School. And I chose printing as my trade. I was gonna be the best pressman in the city of Cleveland. That was my goal. And I had goals back then. And I strived towards that goal the first year that uh, I, I worked in that apprenticeship, and I never missed a day's work, and I was never late. Uh, I got drafted into the service, and the act I brought home, nobody recognized. And again, I would have became, you know, it would have happened to me whether I was in you know, the Army, or whether I went to college, or whether I would have continued that apprenticeship. Uh, I was well on my way to becoming a talk long before uh, I went to the service. I served two years, and I come home. Um, any scrapes were minor, uh, and I was able to get out with an honorable discharge. And but my uh, my drinking uh, my drinking had changed, my attitude had changed, and none of my friends and none of, and none of the relatives recognized that act, and it didn't get any better from that day on. Um, uh, I went from somebody that was uh, looking. Uh, They were looking forward for me to coming back from the service uh, to to work for them, to somebody to end up firing about three years later. Uh, I got here, I got back and with the GI Bill I was making a lot of money because uh, they made up the difference between uh, your apprentice wages and journeyman wages and as long as you were going to a legitimate school. So I went from having almost no money to having a pocket full and uh, and I didn't save any of it. it. I was drinking every night, uh, um, and the problems are starting to happen. I'm starting to get in trouble, and not uh, um, accepting my responsibilities on the job, and having trouble getting to work. And so I thought the best thing I could do was sign up for steady midnights that yeah, we had to drink all day and drink all night and go to work. But around you know nine o'clock, the the taverns, the, the, the lights would be starting to get dim, and about ten o'clock the uh, The girls would come in, the music starts playing, and some of the Irish joints we hung around it, and uh, it became almost impossible sometimes for me to go to work. And like I said, I went went from a guy with a lot of potential uh, to a guy that lost his job. uh, I put my union in a position where they couldn't protect me. And I was going to do that for many, many times over the next few years, putting myself in positions where people couldn't help me, whether it be relatives or friends or uh, my union. Uh, I, you know, I was consumed uh, with drinking. Uh, everything I did revolved around drinking, and uh, I, you know I'd start off by every night that it was going to be a good time, and, and most of the time towards the end, especially if there wasn't too many good times left, uh, progressively got worse, and. Uh, I'm living in a cesspool, and and I'm I'm constantly in trouble now. uh, First time uh, I got arrested, and I ended up in a workhouse 30 days out in Winsville. And uh, I got counsel on alcoholism uh, for the first time out there. Uh, John Mickley, a longtime member of the Angle, was the the, uh, counselor out there. And he was going to talk to me about my alcoholism. And I told him I was too young, I played sports, I chased women, and I was skewed. I didn't have enough time to be one of those alcoholics. And you know, I'll just do this 30 days stand on my head. And I did the 30 days. And I left, and the boss, uh, where I, uh, before all this happened, though, uh, there was a lot more other trouble. I mean, you know, I, after I got fired from that, that uh, printing job, I ended up, uh, couldn't pay the rent, so They changed the locks on my apartment and I ended up uh, in the streets for over a year. I know what it is uh, to be a bum in the streets. Uh, My mother told me to stay away from the family because I was like a cancer. And uh, it was the toughest thing for her to do to tell her older son that, you know, to hit the bricks that uh, she was trying to raise the rest of my brothers and sisters, my brother and sisters. So, you know, I lost that family. And uh, it was just over a year and a half before I went back to see my mother. And that was, uh, uh, there was a five year stretch where I didn't see any of my family. So, alcohol was robbing me a lot of the things uh, all along, but there you know, wasn't enough of a price to keep me from drinking. So, and then the trouble with the law started and, you know, once you uh, serve one term in the workhouse, if you spit stood on the ground and you get arrested, going back out there and that was no different. I, I ended up with two, two more stays out there for 30 days and one for 90 and uh, the uh, company uh, that I was employed by um, still in the printing trade. was uh, He was getting tired of my uh, my act but uh, during that period of time I was very busy so I got away with a lot more than I normally would have. He'd come out every time I ended up in that workhouse, he'd come out, he'd leave a couple bucks in the commissary and he'd tell me, this is it, you're going to get fired if you get in trouble again. And uh, after the 90-day stay, uh, he'd come out and he said, this is absolutely the last time. And I was on uh, a $15 a week plan, paying, paying back all this money, because he used to bail me out of jail. He'd send a certified check to the, you know, to the, to the jail or to, you know, to the city of Cleveland or wherever I was arrested. And, but he put it in my name, and then I signed it over. And so I, I owed a lot of money, you know, to him. I was on a fifteen dollar a week plan. So I, you know, he talked to me one day. He says, "You know, you got to be more responsible and, and, and come to work every day." So I took that to me. Well, maybe if I got married, that'd be all right. You know, I get married, and that's good enough responsibility. I go to work every day, and, and so I. took Took this lovely woman out on a Sunday night. I took her out on a Monday night. I proposed her on a Tuesday night at the Double A Bar. I 1950 Denison and Nothing but the, you know, high-class places. And uh, to my surprise, I guess she said yes. I have this is I pieced this together over the years after we were married because I had no, very little recollection of that two-week period. I was on a two-week wine bender and. Uh, now, it's all right for me to do something. Like, we got married the following Thursday, and, and the only reason why we waited a week was because you had to have blood tests back then, and, and, you know, and there was a week uh, waiting period on that. So the following Thursday, we did get married by Mayor Perk, and uh, uh, that was uh, 36 years ago this past October. Uh, best thing I ever did, but the worst thing she, she could ever done. I'm a drunk, so I had an excuse for that kind of uh, actions. But uh, my wife didn't. She, her big man night out of town is uh, a half a glass of Chablis and, uh, you know, and and a dinner. It was no different back then either. So uh, I thought, uh, and and I still think, you know, there's a uh, misunderstanding. It's all her fault because I didn't know what I was doing. I got in a relationship anyway. It had to be all her fault. So. But I I destroyed that relationship with my wife. Uh, You know, she looked at me with a um, a look of love and respect in her eyes that I cherish. Because, like I said, it's been so long since anybody looked at me with love and respect in their eyes. Uh, You know, everybody kind of uh, either was not committal in their looks. You know, you get the blank stares, or uh, you you know, they just didn't like you at all. They just walked away. So that's that's what I was used to. But she was different. I'm not gonna get up here and tell you that I love my wife because I didn't know what love was back then. I really didn't. And it wasn't until we had the two girls that, you know, I, I, I learned from my daughters what, what love was all about. Uh, but I knew she was special. Uh, she just had a, you know, the part of that brain with common sense was missing from me because otherwise she wouldn't have married me. And, um, but I destroyed that look uh, to the look that, uh, You know, when you look in someone's eyes and and it's just like a blank stare. And I did that in six short months. Uh, She didn't know when I was coming home, if I was coming home, who uh, was following me or who I thought was following me. You know, I had all kinds of problems. And I dragged her into my cesspool and her friends and her family. And and it didn't get any better. so we thought, well, maybe if we had a kid, that'd help me out, you know, a little more responsibility. And we had a daughter, Kelly, and that didn't do it, you know. I now I had two women at home, and uh, and I'm still not, you know, old enough to being a father or a husband. I'm doing everything that I always did, and and not with good success either. So, uh, but she put up with that, and she got pregnant with her second child, and. and Things are really getting bad. Uh, and again, you know, what a surprise! With the progression of the, uh, the drunkenness and uh, uh, the trouble kept getting worse every time I got in trouble. And uh, I got fired from that job with the, uh, with the printers. And I got like I told you, I put my union in a position where they couldn't help me. And um, about two weeks later, two, something like that, I got hired by Ford Motor, and I got fired there too. So. So you know that I was in, uh, had all kinds of problems when you get fired by Ford Motors. It was during that period of time that I, that I had my last bit of problems. Uh, I started off to be a uh, good time. Uh, like every other time I went out and got drunk, uh, we had won a championship on the softball team I played on. And uh, as it turned out, like every, uh, every time we played a championship game and, and we celebrated that night, I ended up in jail. And it, you know that night was no exception. But this time, when I uh, started coming around, and uh, the door, the, the jail door was locked. You know, it wasn't a dunk tank. I was in a, a locked cell, and I seemed for, like forever before they told me what, uh, what kind of trouble I was in, and, and I went through all that uh, business that the criminals go through with bond reduction hearings and and the like of that. I made a decision uh, that maybe I shouldn't drink, not even beer anymore. And again, some those three times I was in the workhouse and I got counseled by Mickle, some of the stuff he was telling me during that period of time started to make some sense. Uh, a lot different than the workhouse that uh, I was in the old county jail was you're, you're stuck in that cell. And there's no moving out, you know, like, like uh, in the workhouse, you know, you had a little job you did outside of the, uh, of the dormitory, and but when uh, in that lockup, you, you didn't move out of the cell, only go to the day room and, and back uh, after a couple hours. I had a whole lot of time to think, and uh, that's when I came to that decision. I shared that with my wife, and she thought that was a real good idea, and uh, she got a hold of... Um, a friend of mine who dad was in AA for a long time, and uh, and he told my wife, uh, I can't help him, he's too close to the family, um, but there's a guy named Eddie Sullivan, and uh, Eddie, you know, he works with losers like your husband, uh, and, and you have to be a loser before you work, uh, you know, work with him on the program. Now, Eddie was uh, sober about 32 years. He was 72 years old. He was retired, and he just loved Alcoholics Anonymous. And he came to that county jail to uh, see a drunk and talk to a drunk, share a story. He told me about bottle gangs. I was in bottle gangs. He told me about loss of jobs. I lost jobs. He told me about losing his family. I lost family. He told me about uh, being uh, financially and spiritually bankrupt. There was no doubt that I was there. And uh, then he told me how good this Alcoholics Anonymous was. How he was able to get sober, hold a job at the city of Cleveland, uh, retire, have a nice house in the uh, um, West Park area. He paid it off and uh, went on trips with his family. All these material things he talked about, stuff that I wanted for myself and my my family. Um, So, he told me that if, if you're serious about staying sober, give me a call and get out of here. And if I didn't want to go to uh, AA meetings, I should have never called Sullivan. Because the, the typical week was, and this was, this for eight straight months, was, uh, this was our, our, uh, our meeting schedule. We, we, Monday morning was the Monday morning 12 step group in Lakewood. Uh, Monday night was Lorraine Mondays. Tuesday morning was at 4 uh, Wednesday morning was the West uh, the, uh, uh the, the, Chevy group and the Wednesday night young people's, Thursday morning was the West Side morning group and the Angle Thursday night. Friday morning we go to Harvard Broadway Club for the 10.30 in the morning meeting there and then Friday night we went to West Clifton. Saturday, he let me spend time with my two daughters and now we got, a, uh, a little girl another one and, uh, so I spent time with the, the women of my life, uh, and on Saturday during the day. And Saturday night was date night. we take our wives to Madison Saturday and then uh, stop for a sandwich and go to the, the midnight group. And then Sunday, uh, Sullivan had the habit of, you know, he got excited talking about AA. His hands would go 500 miles an hour. He'd rub his hands raw on Sunday because uh, we go to the 1 o'clock boat group. And then we have just enough time to get to the Kaiser group that was just starting at 4 o'clock out in, in uh, Pharma. Then we go to the artful discussion group, which is on Lower Detroit, stop for a quick sandwich, and we then we go to the armory at 9 o'clock. And we did it every day, every week, every month for eight straight months. I can't sponsor like that. I couldn't sponsor anybody like that. Uh, But that's what we did. And we come in a a group of people like this at any of those meetings, and you know you shake hands when you come in and everybody's happy and smiling. Uh, I didn't trust any of you. I thought she was ponies. There's no way in hell anybody could be that happy, especially a whole bunch. Is I didn't know what your game was, but I was going to figure it out before I uh, before I took a powder or whatever. And um, the only guy I knew was for uh, real was Sullivan. Uh, Sullivan, because I spent 22 hours a day with him, and I knew he was screwed up during that eight-month period if uh, if, if he wasn't for real. I know why today why I couldn't trust anybody but Sullivan, and the reason was I couldn't trust myself. I was incapable of uh, that brutal honesty you need to really uh, get into the steps of alcoholism and honors and, you know to, to reap some of the benefits and, and, uh, and you know to, and the ability to dedicate yourself to this program, and you know it's not an easy thing to do. And and I, the results were in my. My guts, because I'm, I'm walking around um, with a, a ball of fear and anxiety in the, in the pit of my stomach, and I don't know why. And it's like a football, just churning and churning, and I'm not happy. Uh, not, you know, my poor wife. I'm sober now, and she, and she still isn't doing things right. She changes the baby's diapers too much, not enough. You know, she did yesterday's dishes too many times, and I was kind enough to let her know what her shortcomings were. And um, but again, she. All that uh, she cared about was uh, her husband was sober, and even though know, I was staying out till two, three, four in the morning, and, uh, uh, I was coming home sober. And uh, I had to do uh, get sober. The way I got sober because you know I my hours were screwed. You know, I, I never went to bed before three or four in the morning, and then I get up and go to work. And uh, we used to come out here when the, the club was over on the other side uh, and shoot pool. Uh, a couple guys, Steve, myself, and about seven guys that we hung around with, we used to come out here and shoot pool. You know, because it was open all night at that time. And uh, so, but we were doing sober things. And so, and my wife didn't mind because I was coming home sober, and she didn't have to worry about me, you know, getting in trouble. So uh, things progressed, and and. and I'm just beside myself because I'm not happy, and you know, uh, I heard it described once as uh, having a, a belly full of beer and a head full of AA. Well, I didn't have a belly full of beer, but you know, uh, I you know I had a head full of AA, and I don't know why the, the painting's going away. And everybody else is happy, and then I started going to uh, a twelve-step discussion group that uh, you know that they went to, a, they worked with the twelve and twelve. And, and, and it wasn't until I did that that I, I started, uh, you know, to embrace this program, and, and, you know, there was guys at the Angle that, uh, that took me under their wing and I, and I had this bruise right here, in the, you know, right in my chest, and uh, because of them putting their finger in my chest telling me what a creep I was, but they didn't use that nice of language to me, and they kept exposing me for what I was. I didn't have that uh, capability, with, you know, the brutal honesty like I talked about. Uh, so they, they were more than happy to, to uh, let me know what my shortcomings were. But they also were telling me how to change that. And even though I didn't read the big book at that time, I was seeing it in action every day when I was hanging around with those guys. You know, they, they uh, welcomed me into their families. They, uh, uh, you know, we did everything. We played softball. We played, uh, you know, I was in the A.A. bowling league. We did everything. You know, they, they had, That's how I learned about what it was all about. And then when I finally did get those steps, uh, the first and second step, uh, the first step was easy because I knew I was uh, crazy and I couldn't guarantee my actions if I drank. So the first one was easy to take. I I stayed sober on that first step for a while. Second and third step were tough for me because I had no relationship with God. And I just knew that at the end I was gonna pay the price so I might as well have a good time until, you know, the end came, and uh, it was the example of those guys down at the angle that uh, that helped me get past that, and they convinced me that God wasn't a punishing God because that was really the issue. Uh, because I, like I said, I thought I was going to hell anyway, so I might as well just enjoy myself. Uh, but it was their example and the way they lived their lives that enabled me to see, you know, that uh, without a God in your life, you know. You, you know you're wasting your time here. Uh, you're, you're not going to reap the full benefit of being here. And uh, so I was able to go on to the second and third step, and the fourth and fifth step did what it was supposed to do for me, and it kind of freed me from all that stuff uh, that uh, from my past. And, you know, the, the deeper I got in the program, uh, the more uh, that, that ball fear and anxiety and the bit of my stomach uh, started going away. And, you know, today... If that ball of fear and anxiety starts coming back into my stomach again, it's, it's something I'm doing wrong. And today i got the 12 steps uh, and people that I hang around with that, uh, to help keep me straight. And it, again, you know, if I make the corrections, it's not there anymore. So I'm the guy that puts it there, and I'm the guy that can take it away through this program and, and with the people I hang around with. Uh, what, a, what a blessing that is to have something to fall back on. You know, something, something that uh, we keep uh, continually uh, continually feeling good about, about ourselves. And it's just all we have to do is do the 12 steps and uh, practice those uh, principles in all our affairs. You, you give it a good shot every day. Uh, praying was another problem I had. Uh, and we were out at a football game. Uh, in the, we went to championship football games for the high schools. And we stopped at a uh, it was an and we stopped halfway in the seventy six uh, restaurant, and a bunch of those guys from the angle, big tough guys, are truck drivers. They're you know they were construction workers, and we're sitting in the middle of people uh, like here in that restaurant, and they were talking about loving another human being. They were talking about love of God, trusting God, praying, and that was just embarrassing the hell out of me. I was really embarrassed with because. You know, only sissies and girls talked about God or, you know, and all that stuff and about loving another human being. You know, that's that's how warped I still was. And, uh, it, it, again, their example helped me get over that hump. Because I'm telling you, these guys were tough guys. I really looked up to them. And he, they taught me that real men care about other human beings. They love their families. Uh, so you pray to God for help in the morning, and they thank him at night. And there was nothing non-masculine about that, and again, thank God for their example, because if they would have sat down and told me to read the book instead of you know really pushing me to do the things they thought I should be doing, I don't think I'd be here today. So, and because they are pretty tough guys, I listened to them because uh, you know I'm not going to get beat up over uh, you know something small like you know, changing my life. So. Uh, but it was, uh, it, it was a good experience, and, and as, as time uh, uh, progressed, I started feeling better you know, in that transfer to the home, and, and my wife's happy, and she's got that love and love and respect in her eyes again, and uh, we are starting to do things. Um, my girls, are out of diapers, you know, their house broke down, so I take them everywhere with me. And I was all taking shifts on jobs that I had, uh, where I was laid off a lot because of the economy. And uh, so I spent a lot of time with them. And uh, about the time that they hit, about uh, 12 years old and 11 years old, it wasn't cool hanging around with Dad. Uh, so uh, my wife had one of those immaculate conceptions, and, uh, you know, Pat Jr. was born. And, um, and about the time she had him house broke was when the transition happened, and he started hanging around we go on weekend trips. Uh, like I said, it's rotating shifts, so I did a long weekend, uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and a Monday. And uh, i call my wife at work, and i tell her. I said, I've got Pat, and we're going to West Virginia. We're going to play some golf. Or i take him into Pennsylvania. we hit the ball around. And Pat was only about five years old. He wasn't in school yet, so he wasn't quite five. And I had some cut down clubs for him, and, and we go play golf out of town and stay at a hotel, and you know, got the biggest kick out of it. And as he got older, you know, he, he played every sport known to man, and uh, I was able to be there and enjoy that. I wouldn't have been there hadn't been for this program. You know, I'd, I would have met the same fate that a lot of guys and ladies that don't pay attention when they're here, you know, meet, and so. AA literally gave me back my uh, uh, my family, and I was able to be the father that I should have been, and I was able to be the husband again that uh, my wife thought she married. Um, jobs were many. I know I put a lot of bus- jobs out of business, a lot of companies out of business. I, you know, I worked for four city Foundries. I worked for uh, uh, couple of small steel companies and they all went belly up and uh, they got a job at Republic Steel, they went about a belly up and so you know, the, I, had to, I had to be real flexible in my like ability to work, and, but whatever it took to, to support the family, if I had to work two jobs making seven bucks an hour, I did two jobs working seven bucks an hour and I still went to meetings, I still spent time with my family and I still enjoyed the baseball games, or the softball games and the bowling and all that other stuff. I just, uh, you know, cut down and sleep a little bit. Whatever it took, you know, to keep going, that's what we did. My wife went back to work in an uh, uh, earlier period in our sobriety, my sobriety, and uh, she told me she would going back to work and we are going to build our lives stick by stick. You know? And we did. And uh, something we are very proud of is both of us, uh, you know, um, we started off uh, with early Stella Myers furniture when our friends had uh, French Provincial and early American or whatever. Uh, ours is early Stella Myers. And And, uh, you know, through hard work and, and uh, uh, not thinking and, and uh, uh, you know, we were able to buy our first house. And we were able to then sell that house and buy another one you know you know all these things that someone was telling me about you know we were able to step up uh, to better housing here and there and um, and then I took a test for uh, uh, a truck driver uh, job at the city line uh, helper driver with the power company and I scored number three on the test and got hired. And I wasn't going to get involved in union crap anymore. I made I had nothing. No more apprenticeships. Nothing. I'm just going to drive that truck every day, go to work every day, and that's all I was going to do because i had it with that. And that, you know, so I'd be working that straight day shift, I'd be just fine. And I, I don't know how many, you know when opportunities present themselves to alcoholics that are sober. We seem to be, you know, it's almost inherent that we have to go and take advantage of that. And so I did, I, I ended up taking an apprenticeship. And I ended up financial secretary for the local for 18 years. Uh, I didn't want those responsibilities, you know, when I started there, but you know, things happened. And then as the kids got older, they were in grade school, and I, I was uh, treasurer of the uh, Athletic Association in at St. Thomas More for 18 or 20 years, something like that. I was also president of PTU when my girls were there. So you can understand how bad a shape that uh, St. Thomas More was when I ended up president of PTU, so. But <clears throat> I tried to stay involved with the things that were happening uh, with my children and, and accepting some of those responsibilities that I used to work from over the years. Um, then I uh, uh, was asked to take over a program with the city, uh, uh, an employee assistance program. And so I, uh, I run the manager of a uh, employee systems program for 7,000 city employees. Uh, I couldn't have done these things if, if it wasn't for uh, sobriety and AA. Uh, that's some of the stuff that I was able to accomplish just by not drinking and doing what I was told. Some of the coupons I cut out was uh, walking both girls down the aisle in marriage, uh, being in the neighborhood when they had their children. Uh, you know, we got a little uh, granddaughter that's uh, five, she's a kindergartner. And we got a two-year-old that, that hangs around up here on, uh, uh, in Euclid. Um, uh, what a gift. And another thing was, uh, because of what happened during my sobriety, uh, my second oldest daughter, you always have one that takes after you. Uh, well, my daughter, Katie, is the one that takes after me. And uh, she's been sober seven and a half years now or almost eight years, something like that. Uh, but she felt there's a comfort level for her coming in this program because of all the time she spent with me down at Stella Mars. And so she had AA's, uh, you know, her whole life, hanging around the house, uh, going to AA functions, you know, drag the family you know, to the functions. So it was really easy for her to accept this way, you know, the the people, because she'd been around them all the way. It was tough for her to get sober, but it it made it easier that she had been a part of this for uh, so many years. That was another coupon, you know. Um, My son, when he was in the fifth grade, he wrote a letter or they were asked to, uh, uh, you know, they did an autobiography in the course of the year, and each chapter was different. One of the chapters was, who, the, who had the most influence in their life and, and that they looked up to and well, most of the guys in uh, his class wrote about uh, Bernie Kosar, you know, Albert Bell and, uh, and stuff like that, the, the sports figures. And her, him and his buddy Louie wrote about their dads. And you know, like he was only in the fifth grade, what was that, 11 or 12, whatever they are. And I was surprised at the insight he had. Uh, he wrote about his dad, uh, being proud of his dad because he helped other people. Even at that young age, yeah, he seemed to realize that it was an important thing to do, and he was very proud about that. And I still got that piece of paper, uh, that part, uh, you know, the autobiography. Uh, that, uh, and, you know, I cherished that uh, like I cherish uh, what with a bar of gold because, uh, you know, you can't buy that. All you have to be is around, you know, and that's what I was. I was around, you know, I wasn't part of the problem, I was a part of the solution, you know, after I sold it off. What a blessing that is. I know the feeling of degradation. I know what it is to run in uh, doorways when I was on the streets for that, that uh, over that year. Uh, being too embarrassed to, to look my friends in the eyes. I, I, I know that, and I said and I, I can feel that, uh, how bad I felt uh, to this day. I remember it like it was yesterday. And I also know that today I don't have to be that way because the most important gift that I got from Alcoholics Anonymous in staying sober was my self respect. And not, you know, without that, we're nothing. And um, so a lot of good things have happened. and I know, as true as I'm standing here today, that uh, the only thing that will take away the self-respect that I have today is a five-ounce, five-eighths ounce ounce of whiskey and a bottle of beer, and it'll be gone, just like that. And I know if I keep hanging around with people like you and practicing those twelve steps to the best of my ability, and trusting God, and uh, you know, I won't have to uh, deal with that join in the Lord's prayer. Our Father, our Father, Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name.